0: This is an excerpt from Different Ways, Revealing the Feminine, by Seal, published 2020. Chapter 19 Landslide, Part 2. An open mind and a knowledge of how bad things can get served me as a greater understanding, and I tried to set boundaries. I had a long way to go yet, however. I still had not gotten a grip on critical thinking. My thoughts still roamed irresponsibly in support of my idea that I was small and invisible. It was my ideal to have no impact on the world, to be safe. I had yet to learn that I actually played a very large part in the operations of the world, whether I wanted to admit it or not. As my confidence grew, so did my shoulders and my heart. I would learn to be humbled by my place in the world as I learned to answer for my actions and, perhaps more importantly, for my inactions. A trick I learned was to increase my vibration. I found this easy to do and I was in fairly good physical shape at that time, so I could get a pretty good shine going when I had a mind to. One of the side effects of upping your vibration, however, is also upping the action around you. And I suspect that the vibrational tweaking I was working on was what was in play when the next wave of reality hit. These were heady days of psychoanalysis and enlightenment. They empowered people with more influence than they knew how to use. I certainly didn't know how to count off on the grenades I was handling. One must think before adjusting that higher vibrational dial, because that shit can really generate a lot of activity in a person's life. Drama. My father had not been but two weeks back into my life when my girlfriend received word that her estranged father was seeking her out. It was raining wayward fathers. I had a few meetups with my dad after I shocked him with my arrival. He actually traveled to visit me at my home once and brought me a present. He bought me a radio as a gift, of all things he could have chosen. I remember thinking that was indeed pretty magical that he was moved towards gifting me that particular item. It was the only gift he ever gave me besides my life and name. If he only knew. My affiliation with radio as a child was not a story I shared with anyone. I became close with his gregarious son, my half-brother, who had a drinking and womanizing fixation. My half-sister passed on this round of attempted bonding. My entry into a new and second level of dysfunctional family was underway, and the unsettling nature of it ended up undermining my plans and destroying the foundation I had built for myself and my sons. My girlfriend had the exact opposite reaction to her dad. I was shocked that she didn't embrace a father that was looking for her. This was unheard of in my mind, that any father would come looking for a child. That was a very special turn of events indeed, and one that warranted a much more tender response to my mind. She railed and cursed that motherfucker for abandoning her. My God, she was angry. Of course, years later, I realized how healthy her response was. It was shortly after this papapalooza that my girlfriend and I split up. We had a good run, and we were mutually finished when she was called to other shores. There were many reasons, but it is Almost as if we were just there for each other for that short time in our development. And when we were done, we were done. This is my story. She may have a different one. It was by far the sanest intimate relationship I have ever had, and the only time I lived with and loved a woman. Like most of my relationships, we did not maintain any type of friendship into the future. With my girlfriend gone, I was free to come undone, and I did as did everything around me. My job at the lab was restructured, and I wasn't good at my new assigned task. I was fired. I unraveled. I abandoned my sons again, soldiering on, twisting in the wind as I'm wont to do. I sent the boys to live with their now remarried father in Oregon, thinking that would be a better situation for them, in truth. It was better for me. Without work, I lost the house we rented. The landlord took advantage of our evacuation and burned it to the ground to make room for a subdivision. I heard ahead what he was planning to do, and I went to watch it burn, as did many people. It was a unique house in the community, and I loved it. Watching that house raised galvanized the pain within me and sealed me into a kind of dark funk. I belonged nowhere. I was at this time growing closer to Pop's son, my half-brother. He lived up north, a demonstrative fellow who made a fuss over me, the kind of fuss I wish my dad had made over my arrival. Perhaps that was the hook for me. He was fascinated with me. I wanted someone to be fascinated with me. His attentions were not sincere, though. I was a novelty to him. He drank and womanized, and was not above intimacies with his disenfranchised sister. It was disappointing and sad to me to have to feel that kind of proposal from him. To his credit, he did not press the issue. He would surface from time to time in my life. He seemed to be seeking something, and I wondered if he thought perhaps I could lead him to what he needed. We were two similar lost souls in this way. Back home, I lived with my benevolent brother while I worked as a sales girl until I got enough money to move out to my own place. One day at my brother's, I was sewing up a bra trying to get some more mileage from it when there was a knock at the door. I went to open it, bra in hand, and was met with the inquiry, Are you Marguerite? I nodded in an affirmative. You're being served. At that, the man shoved a package into my free hand. I stared dumbly at the envelope as the guy drove off. My ex-husband had subpoenaed me for child support. What is good for the goose is good for the gander. I was hating my life then. It was a dark time. I read Little Dorrit and sent long rambling letters to my friends. I looked for work and slogged through, but I never again reached that brightness that I enjoyed prior to my father's arrival in my life. I felt whipped. You can't make this kind of cluster fuck up. Do think before you touch that vibrational dial. One more cup of coffee. Over time, I found better jobs and I was learning clerical work. I had a job with a... Strange man as my boss. He supplemented his income through a side gig with Amway Pyramid Scheme. It was a small home for developmentally disabled adults. Six clients lived there. I was unsuccessfully learning how to do bookkeeping. I was not thrilled with the situation. I was triggered constantly with the math. I tried over and over again to get the sums right. I was even less thrilled with my life. Even though I had a great Volkswagen bus and a sweet little cabin on the outskirts of town, outside of these things, everything else felt all wrong somehow, and I felt beaten. I felt done. I decided I was going to commit suicide in the winter of 1987. The boys were with their father, and I had very little going on. I was bone-tired and weary. Everything either failed my expectations or just flat-out disappointed and discouraged me. There was just one thing that had to be done before I killed myself. I wanted to quit smoking. I had decided that I did not want to reincarnate as an addict, should that even be a remote possibility. So it was that I began to plot my demise I cleaned things up and arranged things like labeling photographs so people would know what they were. I wrote out who got what of my meager belongings. The kind of sincere desperation and emotional thrust one requires to actually end one's life was not present, however. Not even close. The scheme about my leaving my life and trying to quit smoking were not going smoothly. Beginning in the new year... I went to visit a friend to powwow with her about what I might do to lift my spirits. She identified that I needed something to look forward to and suggested that I use some of my vacation time and go visit my sister in Arizona in March. My hometown was pretty small, and there wasn't much happening for a single woman in her 30s like myself. There was no action like there might be in a big city like Phoenix. The idea was that I might go check it out and see if I liked it. Maybe I could move there later if my sister was agreeable. It was leap day, February 29, 1988, when my boss invited me to go to coffee one morning and fired me out of the blue. I did not see that coming, and like so many of these strange deep water currents of life that I seemed to get swept up in, this came with the news that my father had died two weeks prior. My father's son told me Pop died when I called him to commiserate about losing my job. He said that he lost my telephone number so he couldn't tell me. The truth was, I wasn't told at the time he died because I wasn't wanted around for the intimate family times around his funeral and such. I wasn't welcome. I was never welcome. So on that same day I lost my job, I got this news. Consequently, my plans for a sweet vacation in Arizona became a complete liquidation of my belongings and, with a blessing from my sister, a move to the Southwest, I headed out to Phoenix in May of that year. Thank you.